Have you ever let down a good friend? You know, maybe you hurt someone that you care about. You know, maybe your spouse, a family member, a dear friend, a coworker. Maybe you said something and you wish you didn't say it that way, or you you got a little frustrated about something that wasn't worth getting frustrated about, or you forgot something or didn't show up at something you should have been at, and you just feel badly about it, and you want to set things right. You want your friend to know that you're sorry. You just want to tell them sorry, but imagine if you never got the chance. You never got the chance to say sorry. I think that's how the apostles felt on Good Friday night and Holy Saturday and much of Easter Sunday until they got to see the risen Christ for themselves. I mean, just imagine how they were feeling, you know, having let Jesus down on Good Friday, you know, not being there for him, abandoning him in his greatest hour of need. And then Jesus dies. I mean, imagine how guilty they felt and they never got to tell Jesus sorry. And then suddenly Jesus appears in their midst. You know, today I want to really bring us into the the account, the gospel account of the apostles' first encounter with the risen Christ. You know, at first glance, we could think it's like a big party. It's like, hey, reunion time. Jesus is back. He's risen from the dead. Hey, Jesus. And they're high-fiving him and giving him a big hug. And I don't think that's what was going on. In fact, if you read the gospel accounts carefully, it was a terrifying event. They were utterly terrified. Why? Because you can imagine they're thinking Jesus is coming and he's coming back and he's coming for me because I let him down on that day. They feel already so guilty and ashamed. And then they see Jesus and Jesus is coming. We're going to see to confront them with their sin, but he also brings his great mercy and offers them his peace. That's what we're going to look at today, the power of these resurrection accounts. And I want to welcome you back to the All Things Catholic podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and it's Easter. So happy Easter to you and your family and your friends. And he's risen. He's risen indeed. But what a strange Holy Week it's been, hasn't it? I mean, what an eerie Holy Week, you know, I uh, watching it all online, not being able to, to go to church and participate in the Triduum liturgies was just so strange. I mean, again, I'm so grateful for the technology, grateful we can at least watch something and kind of participate in it from afar. And we tried to do in the Sri family, we tried to do all we could to bring in some of those Holy Week traditions and bring in the... Um, some of the liturgical practices into our home the best we can. You know, it's like on Holy Thursday, I washed some of my kids' feet, give them that experience. Or on Good Friday, we we did Stations of the Cross and carried candles around the house and processed to different stations. And so we were trying to live it out on Easter. We actually, for the Easter vigil, we have a tradition of going to the Easter vigil. And we, we got all dressed up like we normally do and uh, watched the, the Archbishop here in Denver uh, online. So I mean, again, I'm grateful we were able to do something, but it's just not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. I'm longing for a real Emmaus Road experience. You know the wonderful story uh, on Emmaus Road. It's a story about the Mass. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. It's really a story about the Mass because in the midst of their ordinary daily lives, and, and they're actually facing a number of trials, these disciples leaving Jerusalem, uh, afraid, discouraged. Jesus has died and they're, they're walking away. And then Jesus comes in their midst. And what does he come to do? He offers them a liturgy of the word and a liturgy of the Eucharist. Yeah. You could read about this in, in Luke 24, uh, in the midst of all their sorrow and discouragement, wondering why Jesus had died. 
Jesus who hasn't veiled himself to them. He, he, they don't recognize him yet. So he hasn't unveiled himself yet. Jesus opens up the scriptures for them. And he reads the scriptures and, and, he, and he explains the scriptures from Moses through the prophets. So Moses representing the law, the prophets representing the latter part of the Old Testament. So it's really, that's the Jewish way of speaking of the whole Old Testament. So Jesus is doing a Bible study on the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. I wish I could have been there while he's unpacking the scriptures and showing the prophecies and showing how everything points to Christ and everything points especially to his death and resurrection. It was the most amazing Bible study on earth, I'm sure sure. The disciples themselves later say that their hearts were burning within them. So they really encounter Christ, even though they don't recognize him right there walking by their side, they encounter him in his word, in the scriptures. And then what do they do? Well, you know, they, they say, hey, stay, stay with us, Lord, it's late, stay with us. Uh, and, and they don't, again, they don't recognize as Jesus yet, but then Jesus goes to a table and he takes bread He blesses it, he breaks the bread, and gives it to the disciples. Does that language sound familiar? That's the exact same language that Jesus, that is used to describe Jesus at the Last Supper when he institutes the Eucharist. He is at a table at the Last Supper and he takes bread, he breaks it, he blesses it, and gives it to the disciples and says, this is my body. So the when you read Luke 24 and you read this account of Emmaus Road, it really is an account about the Eucharist. It's about the mass, Jesus coming to us in the midst of our lives to help us encounter him in his word. And he comes along and he wants us to encounter him in the breaking of the bread, in the Eucharist and to receive him in Holy Communion. And while we can get the first half kind of, you know, we can, we actually have the Bible so we can read God's word and encounter Jesus in his scriptures, we long, don't we, to receive him in the Eucharist. So that's the Emmaus Road story. But let's turn back now to those apostles. I want you to think about what they were going through. And it kind of reminds me of one of my kids. I remember years ago, one of my kids, they, he, when he was a little child, whenever something went wrong, like he, he did something wrong, like maybe he broke something or he took some candy he shouldn't have. And, you know, he'd all of a sudden just be missing. We'd, we couldn't find him. And we, you know, we'd be looking around the house. Where, where is he? And we find, oh, he's under the bed or he's hiding in his closet. <laughs> you know, so he was hiding. And, and that's what we tend to do. When we do something wrong, we tend to hide and we hide because maybe we fear punishment or we hide because maybe we, we, we feel ashamed. We just feel so guilty over what we've done. Uh, so th- those, are, those are some things that we, we could tend to do. And I, I think that's what the apostles were doing. You know, the apostles, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. You know, Holy Thursday night, they're probably remembering Jesus on Holy Thursday night, how he did these wonderful things for them. You know, he spoke so eloquently about God's love and his love for them. He washed their feet that night. I mean, wow, that's incredible. I mean, a, a servant would, would, could do all these different tasks for their master. But if you were a slave, there was one task that even a slave wouldn't do for the master, and that is to wash the master's feet. I mean, it's like, you know, to, to kind of get down and deal with the, the sandals and the feet, that's just really, you know, you know, that's very humbling. And yet Jesus does that for the apostles. So imagine you're Peter, James, and John, and it's, you know, Good Friday night or Holy Saturday, and you're just remembering Jesus. Remember how much he loved you. He washed your feet. 
And then he gave you the most precious gift, his very body and blood in the Eucharist on Holy Thursday night. Wow, Jesus just gave us so much. And what did we do for him? Just a few hours later, we couldn't even stay awake with him in prayer. Yeah, there in Gethsemane, we were, we were falling asleep. He came to us three times and he said, watch and pray. Can't you stay awake for one hour? Three times he came to us and three times we failed to be with him in his hour of his agony in the garden. And then what happened? The soldiers came to take Jesus away and they arrested him. And what did we do? We, we all ran away. I mean, imagine those apostles, how they're feeling. We ran away. We abandoned Jesus that night. And during the trial, everyone's shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. And there were no apostles there to defend Jesus. And of course, as he's carrying the cross, again, no apostle there to go help Jesus with that. They had to get Simon of Cyrene to do it. And on Calvary, St. John, the beloved disciple, is the only one there. He's there with Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary Clopas. But John is the only one of the apostles there with Jesus as he's dying on Calvary. Imagine being those disciples. I mean, you're, you're probably feeling really awful on Holy Saturday night and much of Easter Sunday morning. You're feeling awful. You're feeling guilty. And guilt isn't a bad thing. You know, when we feel guilty about something, that, that's actually a sign that there's a noble part in our soul still, a good part of us, a part that doesn't resonate with the bad thing we did. I mean, actually, if people don't feel guilty, that's actually a bigger problem. Like when you do something wrong and you don't feel guilty about it, what does that say about you? It says you're, you're, you're pretty rotten human being down to the core. <laughs> you know, like you're, you don't feel guilty about bad things that you're doing when you're hurting others and hurting your relationship with God. You know, the, the fact that you might feel guilty, your conscience is bothering you is actually a healthy thing. It's really good, you know, and, and, and God wants to work with that. And that's what he does with these apostles as they're sitting behind those closed doors, behind those walls. They're sitting in fear, so afraid. They don't want to go out because they're afraid they could be taken away. The chief priests might be looking for them. The Roman soldiers could take them away and crucify them too because they were Jesus's close disciples. So they're afraid, afraid for their own lives. But they're also sad that Jesus has died. Sad that the one they followed for three years is no longer with them. They miss their friend and they're wondering, where's our life going now? We were following him with hopes he was the Messiah and everything's been turned upside down. But most of all, I think they're sitting with that pit in their stomach, regretting their tragic decisions on Holy Thursday night and Good Friday, regretting how they denied Jesus like Peter in Peter's case or ran away from Jesus, weren't present with Jesus, weren't close to him. They all abandon him. So, except for John. But I, I think about just how, how, how guilty they feel, how sad they feel about that. And then suddenly, in the midst of their sorrow and fear and shame, Jesus suddenly appears in their midst. Whoa! Well, that would have been intense. Uh, wow, all of a sudden Jesus is right there. Just imagine you're like, you're looking, go, whoa, whoa, is that really him? Am I really seeing him? Is this a ghost? Is this a spirit? What is this? If it is a spirit, that's really scary. Because now Jesus' spirit is coming from the dead to come to speak to us, to judge us, to, to get vengeance, to punish us probably. And you're thinking about all that you just did. 
on on Good Friday, and wow, uh oh, Jesus is here, and, and that that I think that's how they were feeling because that's what Luke twenty four tells us. Luke chapter twenty four tells us they didn't like all of a sudden start singing Jesus Christ is risen today. No, no, they are not singing joyful, joyful. We adore thee. They are terrified. <laughs> they are frightened. The text tells us they are startled. This was a terrifying encounter with the risen Christ at first. I, I, I think of that line from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says that, you know, they have the, the beautiful Christ figure, you know, in the Chronicles of Narnia. If you've ever read those stories with your kids or maybe you've watched the movies yourself, uh, Aslan is the, is the Lion King, if you will. He's, he's the Christ figure of it all. And they, and they say about Aslan that he's, he's not a tame lion, I mean, in other words, like he's a lion full of love, but he's not tame and he'll come and he'll roar in moments that require a roar. I think this was a bit of a roar at this moment. They were terrified when they saw him and Jesus shows them. He shows them his hands and his feet, Luke 24 tells us. Now he's doing that to show them, hey, look, I'm not just a spirit, a ghost appearing to you. This really is me. I'm really back in bodily form, risen here. I think that's part of it, but I also think it's, it's also showing them. Look at what happened on Good Friday. Look at what you did. I was really crucified to a cross. Nails really pierced my hands and my feet. I really was crucified. And and where were you in my hour of need? I, I think that's part of what that's showing them. Certainly all of us, including the apostles, have contributed to Jesus's death on the cross as he takes on our, our sin. It was our sin that brought him there. So I think that there is an element of, you know, it's not like, hey, bro, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, I, I think he is showing them, look at what you did. He's reminding them of their, their sinfulness in general, but also their tragic decisions on Holy Thursday night and Good Friday. But in the midst of all this, you know what his first words are? His first words to them are not, look at what you did. <laughs> his first words are not, about pointing fingers, blaming them, condemning them. His first words are, peace, peace be with you. Now we're so used to hearing those words, peace. You know, it, it, we, we just think of that as like, hey, hope, you, hope you're doing well kind of thing. But I want you to bring it, bring, I want you to understand this biblically. The word for peace, shalom, biblically, doesn't describe just like, hey, we, you know, hope you're doing well. It doesn't describe, you know, in the modern political sense, like, okay, these two nations made a peace treaty. You know, all that means is that they're not bombing each other. It doesn't mean they're best friends. <laughs> they're just not attacking each other right now. That's not biblical peace. That's not shalom. That's not what Jesus is offering them. Peace describes right relationship, friendship, covenant closeness, and so imagine being Peter, James, John, you feel horrible about everything that you did and the ways you let Jesus down. And then Jesus's first words to you are peace. I offer you peace. And, and I think what we see here really is we see, we see the two sides of Christ's love right away in this resurrection account. He comes with truth. He comes to show this is what happened. He comes to show I really was crucified and, and, and you weren't there. Look at my hands and my feet. This is what I suffered. Where were you on those days? But he also comes saying, peace, I forgive you. I love what he says to Mary Magdalene. He tells Mary Magdalene, hey, go and tell the apostles, go tell my brethren to meet me. I'm going to come meet them in Galilee. So he says, brethren, he calls them brothers still. 
Even though they rejected Jesus or ran away from him, they failed on Good Friday, he still calls them brother, brothers. They're part of the family and he offers them peace. And Jesus does the same thing with us. He wants to break through the walls of our heart. He wants to break through the shame, the guilt that we might feel. He wants to break through that and offer us his peace. He also wants to break through any kind of rationalization we may have going on that, you know, we, we, you know, when we do things that are wrong, we say things that we shouldn't say. We don't treat people the way we, we should treat them. We watch shows or images that we shouldn't be watching or shouldn't be following certain shows on, on, on Netflix because, you know, if Jesus was there. We wouldn't really be watching this, right? So when we know that and Jesus is kind of, he wants to break through and, and he wants to challenge us. He's going to show us his hands and feet. And he's going to point out our sins and he's not going to let us rationalize our sinfulness. So I think these are the the two things Jesus does. He's breaking through the walls of our self-justification and rationalization, but he's also breaking through the walls of our shame, our guilt, and our sorrow over our sins. And he wants to come and he wants to offer us his peace. And that peace can only happen if we recognize what we did was wrong and if we're not going to wallow in our, in, in our sins and just, and just look down at ourselves. He wants us to look at him and receive his peace. I think those are one of the, some of the beautiful messages that we can take away in this Easter season. So whatever you may be going on in your life right now, whatever's touching your heart where you're, you're going, yeah, I've done this. That's wrong. I, I didn't treat this child the way I should have treated them, or I didn't treat my spouse the way I should have treated them or this other family member, whatever's going on with you and and in your own soul, let Jesus, the risen Christ, break through the walls of your heart and shine light on those dark corners and admit, Lord, I've done wrong and go to that person and say, sorry. And then you can experience peace, the peace of Christ. Don't let yourself feel guilty and, and discouraged. That's the other extreme. Allow yourself to experience Christ's friendship He's calling you brother, sister still. Even though you've sinned, he wants to offer you his peace. I hope this little Easter reflection has been helpful for you. You can read all about this in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, in particular verses 36 through 43. Luke 24, verses 36 through 43 is that account of Christ's first meeting with the apostles on Easter, one of my favorite stories of the Easter accounts. Thanks for listening. And you can always reach out to me if you have any questions. You can contact me on my website, edwards3.com. And you can always reach me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless.